for the, the privilege it is to come together in God's house this morning as the body of Christ. I just want you to take a moment, look around this room. It's okay, you can look around. It's, it's your chance to see who's here, who's not here, okay? I want us to look around and know, okay, this is the body. Maybe you're here for the very first time. Praise the Lord for that. But many of you have been here many times. This is the body of Christ. You are just as important to the body of Christ as myself or the elders or teachers downstairs. We're in this together. And so I pray that as you look around that we are encouraged that we're not in this by ourselves. But we, as the body of Christ, are looking forward to the day when Jesus comes again. And this morning, again, I want to welcome each and every one of you, those online. If you don't know me, my name is Charles Gwynn. I'm the lead pastor here at Paradise Valley Christian Church. And uh, I tried this last year. I don't really know how it went because uh, as, as I tried this, I, I, I asked you to uh, repeat something. And again, I don't know if it worked or not last year because you were all at home in your pajamas watching from your couches, I'm pretty sure. All right. Okay, so I'm going to try this again this year. We're going to get a little bit, hopefully, a different response. I'm going to say, he is risen, and you are going to respond, he is risen indeed. And if you recorded uh, the final four yesterday, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, plug your ears, okay? Because as I was watching the Gonzaga-UCLA game, that was an exciting game to watch. And it came down to overtime, we're in overtime, three seconds left, Gonzaga dribbles the ball down, almost a half-court shot, banks it off the backboard and it goes in and guess what those people went crazy all right and I don't think there's anything more important in this life to go crazy over than the fact that Jesus Christ raised from the dead amen amen, amen. so what we're going to do is I'm going to say he is risen and you're going to say he is risen indeed and then we're going to act like we just won the final four game uh, down in Indianapolis we're going to cheer we're going to scream we're going to give praise to God this morning all right Okay, some of you might even want to stand up for this one, all right, okay, all right, so here we go, he is risen, he is risen, amen, all right, Woo! yeah, yeah, come on now, yeah, yeah, Woo! yeah, all right, yes, that's what I'm talking about, I mean, they were slamming into each other, man, they were praising, that's what I'm saying, like, don't we get excited about this kind of stuff? Because I do. I, man, what a life-changing thing it is to know that the God of the universe loved us so much that he's willing to come, live a perfect life, to go to the cross on our behalf, to go to the grave, and that he didn't stay there. Amen? Three days later, he came back to life. And that's the hope that we have, the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that... We should be celebrating that, that single most important event in human history. We should celebrate every single day of our lives. The resurrection of Jesus has done more to change this world than any invention, any election, any empire, any political victory. The miracle of Jesus' resurrection has changed the world. Women have been liberated because of the resurrection. Orphans have been rescued. Slaves set free. Hospitals built and entire oppressive systems have been overturned. Those governments have been overturned because of the one single event inside a borrowed tomb. Jesus was dead, but God raised him to life. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so what does that single most important event in human history mean to you and for your family 
and for your friends. It has been, you know, a tough year. And just over a year ago, we, we, we began dealing with everything involved with COVID. And it was, it's been crazy to think back over this past year and everything that's taken place. And, and as you think along those lines, it's easy at times to lose focus on what God has in store for your life. We get sidetracked by the things of this world. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us here this morning that God has more for you than you're currently experiencing. God has more for you than you are currently experiencing in your life. And I truly believe that because God always has something more in store for you as you continue on your journey with him. And maybe you don't have much of a relationship with God at all this morning. He has more for you in store if you just open yourself up to that. And maybe you're a long-time believer. God has more in store for you than what you're currently experiencing. And, and the passage that we're going to look at from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. And I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, it helps you to kind of pay attention, know where we're going in the story. If you have your digital Bibles, pull those out. Don't turn off your notifications on everything else and stay focused. It might be on the screens, most likely behind me as well. But Luke 24, 13 through 35. And it's an account of two individuals' interactions with Jesus after his death and burial and resurrection. And God had something more for them at that time. And, and that same thing that he had for them, I believe we need to experience as well this morning. So will you pray with me as we begin? Father, our desire is to be excited about what you are doing in this world, in the midst of the chaos and the confusion, Father, in the midst of the disappointments. In the depression, God, we know that you are our redeemer and that you live. And Father, because of that, we have so much more to look forward to than just this world and this, this life. And so God, I praise your name that your word continues to shape us and mold us into who you want us to be. And Father, I pray that each one of us here, if there might be one that has never said, I, I want to go all in with you, God. I want to surrender my life to you, Jesus. I pray that today would be that day that they would begin to really think through that. What does that mean? How does that impact their lives? And so, Father, I praise you for this day and the, the chance we have to celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus. And it's the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. And before we get too far into the passage that I want to look at this morning, I want us to set the stage for what is taking place in the context of these verses. Of course, we have the crucifixion, and then we have the burial. And in verse uh, 56 of chapter 23 of Luke, it says, Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So they got ready to, to do the, the burial preparations. They hadn't had time to do that. It says, verse 55, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. But again, it was the Sabbath day. And at that time in Israel and even today, nothing takes place on the Sabbath. But after the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, for many of Jesus' followers, it was interesting. They went home. Okay? They, they went home. And you think, well, what, why, why would they do that? Essentially, they were self-quarantining themselves, right? All right? So they, they're heading home, and, and the reality is, is 
They weren't sure what else to do. What else are they going to do? They were, they were most likely experiencing some of the same emotions and questions that we face after losing a loved one. How are they going to deal with a life that didn't have Jesus in it any longer? What would the future hold? And many of them were still frightened, thinking about the fact that their association with Jesus could land them in prison. And so they're sad, and they're hiding, and they're fearful, and they're frustrated and disappointed. And my guess is that many of you are here this morning, and you're relating to exactly what's going on in this passage You're dealing with some of those same kind of emotions even today. Maybe you've experienced incredible loss over the past weeks or the past months or years. And I think we're all able to a certain extent identify with someone who would be feeling what they would be feeling in the midst of of losing their good friend Jesus. And, And not only just their friend, but the hope that came with that friend. They had a lot of hope that they believed when it came to Jesus as the political Messiah. The hope of what they thought was going to happen, it's been crushed because Jesus' death. And they're now worried about what's to come. And as you look into Luke 24, Luke records the encounter between Jesus and two people who had been following Jesus. and, And now are on their way home. An encounter with Jesus that changed their lives. An encounter with Jesus that changed their lives forever. And so my prayer this morning is that maybe even right now or sometime later today or maybe sometime this week that you would, inha- that you would have an encounter with Jesus that would change your life as well. And we're going to be looking at this account in Luke 24, 13 through 35. And it's this account where Cleopas and most likely his wife, we don't know for sure, going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And I kind of researched this, trying to figure out if anybody for sure knew what was, if this other individual, who that might be. No one for sure knows. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily name Mary as one of the two in the verses. But in my mind, I'm imagining if my wife and I are followers of Jesus and we saw this take place, and now we're heading home together. And again, we don't know that for sure, but as I did research, nobody said for sure who the other disciple was. And so I'm kind of going with some people's idea that it could be Cleopas's wife, all right? And so as you look at other ex- accounts of the uh, gospel message, we see that the wife of Cleopas would be Mary. All right, and so that would be her name. Cleopas and Mary were two followers of Jesus, people that had been with Jesus for many months, maybe even years. And they were two ordinary people just like you and I. And they're from a small town called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And if we scan the scriptures, we can see that this Mary was on the scene many times, and she was at the crucifixion. With Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, according to John chapter 19, verse 25. And she watched the whole thing. They all did. They all saw it. They they watched everything unfold. As Jesus' followers, they were there for much of Jesus' ministry. They had seen him raise people from the dead. They, They had seen him feed the multitudes with very little food. They'd seen Jesus heal people. 
And now it's Sunday morning. Mary most likely was part of the group of women that went to the tomb to find it empty. And so I want to pick up the story in Luke 24, verse 13. Read along with me uh, in your own Bibles there. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And can you imagine eavesdropping in on their conversation and what was going through their hearts and in their minds and the emotions that they were experiencing. See, they had seen, they had been with Jesus for a long time. They'd seen so much. And, and they were there, most likely on Palm Sunday, as they heard the, the crowds in jubilation welcoming him into the city, shouting, Hosanna! And they had seen him day by day, stepping closer and closer to the cross, knowing that Jesus told them he would suffer and die, but not really wanting to believe it, not really believing that it would happen, and that it did happen. And I'm sure they are talking and processing and trying to understand and asking themselves, now, now what are we going to do? What, what does the future hold? And can you imagine just listening in on their conversation as they walk home from Jerusalem? And you know what? They were asking some of the same questions that many of you are asking this morning. After the year that we've had, there are questions like, where are we heading as a country? Will anything ever be the same again? How are we going to deal with all the changes? Are, are we going to be persecuted? And they needed the same thing that we need today. And we see it in verse 15. And verse 15 says, As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. Can you imagine that? I don't know if he just like came out of the bushes or where he was at for sure. If he was behind a tree. I don't know the, the, all the, the, the layout of the land. But it says he, he came. He, he's walking. Discusses each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. And I would encourage you this morning. If you're taking notes in your notes on your phone or in the bulletin there. I need his presence. Man, I need his presence and do you remember the name that Isaiah prophesied about Jesus? Because we talk about this all the time at Christmas, every single year. It's this name that would be, he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. That's what we need, isn't it? I know that's what I need. I need God with us. And so here in verse 15, again, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. I would encourage you to underline that. Walked along with them. Highlight that. That's what we need. We need his presence in our lives. I need his presence. As we continue in verse 16, it says, But they, kept, they were kept from re recognizing him. 17, he, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, 
their faces downcast. And can you imagine the sadness that was written all over their face? Losing someone they deeply cared about, someone that they had hoped in. What are you discussing? And their faces are downcast. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? And one preacher, as I was looking through some different things, he put it this way. He kind of made a little bit of a joke like, where have you been? Under a rock? You know, right? He was in the tomb under a rock. Get it, Paul? Yeah, okay, all right. And so, yeah, I mean, where have you been, Jesus? But they don't know it's Jesus. And can you imagine what Jesus is thinking? Well, huh, okay. So he, he kind of plays along a little bit here in verse 19. He says, Jesus says, well, what things, he asked. And then they respond, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And if you notice here, they didn't say Savior. He was a Savior. They didn't say he was our Messiah. They said he was a prophet. And I wonder for us this morning, do do we say Jesus is who he really is, the Son of God, the Lord of our lives? Or do we just kind of say he was a good teacher, he was a prophet, he was a nice, nice fella? And so as we continue here, as I look at these verses and think about what they're explaining, and he said they, again, verse 19, about Jesus of Nazareth, they pl- replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. In verse 20, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped but we had hoped. The, the New Living Translation in the rest of the, this verse uh, in the NIV says, We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And the New Living Translation says, We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And the same is true for us today, isn't it? We, we all need a Messiah who will rescue us from our sins. And the second thing that I want to encourage you to write down, just as a way of confession this morning, we've, so far we've written down, I, I need his presence. And the second thing I would encourage you to write down is, I need the Messiah to rescue me. I need the Messiah to rescue me. That's, that's me this morning. I don't know about you, but that's where I'm at. I need his presence. I, I need a Messiah to rescue me. And I think we all can relate to that. After the year that we've lived, see, I think we, we have hope. And I think we have faith and, and trust that the rescuer will come to save us. And we're hoping for the Messiah, the anointed one, to save and rescue us from everything going on around us. I think a lot of people are looking for that. And I think we can all identify with this need because this past year has, has caused us to come face to face with the reality that we can't save ourselves, can we? That this past year has been a powerful reminder that we are not in control. 
our whole world just kind of caved in on themselves and things completely changed up and we're trying to figure things out and, and the reality came face to face with us is that we're not in control. And we need a Messiah. We need a rescuer. We need a savior. Someone that is in control. Someone that we can put our faith in and trust in. And so if you were to write a few more things down, I would write down, only God can rescue us. Only God can save us. Only God can overcome evil. And only God can restore what is broken. I need the Messiah to rescue me. And as you think about that, I want us to go back to the story here in Luke 24, starting in verse 22. It says, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Verse 24, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Some of the men who went to see for themselves were Peter and John. And one preacher mentioned that maybe they're from Missouri, right? Maybe they're from Missouri. They, they needed to see it from their, for themselves. They're like, show me, show me. And in fact, I, I want to read a passage of scripture that tells us about the account where Peter and John run to the tomb. And it's, it's kind of interesting to me the way that this is written. Of course, it's written from John's standpoint. It, it's, it's his account. And it, it's interesting to me also that you have uh, John referring to himself as the one whom Jesus loves, right? Isn't that what we all, yes, Jesus loves me. I don't know about some of you out there, okay? But yeah, it's John saying, hey, I, John. John, the, the one Jesus loves, like Jesus didn't love like everybody, right? Okay? And so we have this account. It's kind of interesting the way that John presents this account found in John 20, 1 through 10. And again, it, it's coming from John's point of view here. And so read with me John 21 through 8 to begin with. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, of course we know there were other women with her, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Okay, so it became a race here, all right? Both were running, all right? And, but the other disciple outran Peter, all right, all right, just let, just go, you guys know, all right, John, the one that Jesus loves, he outran Peter, John wants to make sure everybody knows that, okay, outran Peter and reached the tomb first, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in, then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb, he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Verse 8, finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, just, so, just in case you guys forgot, John, he beat Peter to the tomb, okay? All right, just so you know. Also went inside, he saw and believed. And then hear this, verse 9 and 10. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. 
Then the disciples went back to their homes. What? You got to be kidding me, right? Really? I mean, they still aren't quite understanding from, from the scriptures that he had to rise from the dead. And so they just head back home. But I want us to not be too hard on them this morning because aren't we the same way? Don't we spend time with the body of Christ Sunday morning, Wednesday night, small group time? And we study God's word, and yet at times we still don't get it. It doesn't actually change our lives. We don't allow it to actually transform our minds. Jesus has risen from the grave and has overcome sin and death in our lives. And yet for some reason we're holding on to that sin that we grew up with all of our lives that we don't want to let go of. We don't get it. We don't understand that God has so much more in store for us. He has a life that, we have, that he wants to have for us that, that we're not receiving. So I want us to look back at Luke 24, 25 through 37 and see what Jesus had to say again in these verses. Verse 25, he said to them again, talking to Cleopas and his wife, and he said, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. How foolish you are. I want you to put your finger there for a moment. And, and let's ask this question of ourselves, and, and, and as I looked at different versions, the New Living Translation says it this way, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. And again, I wonder, the, the question for us this morning as well is, how much do I know of God's word, and do I also find it hard to believe? Or maybe you know someone that has studied it out, a friend, a, a co-worker, a boss, a, a spouse, that they know the word of God, and yet they don't believe. And these two, they were struggling with this as well. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He explained, talking about Jesus, to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning them. And it's interesting, kind of the distance, uh, again, of the seven miles between Jerusalem to Emmaus. It obviously probably took about a, two hours or so to walk that distance. And, and so this, these verses are saying Jesus went back 1,500 years and went through with them, walked through with them all these different prophecies. Jesus was explaining to them all the obvious information that they already knew to support the fact that the obvious result or conclusion was that he was who he said he was. He was the Messiah. And they knew everything that they needed to know, but they still found it so hard to believe. And Peter and John had been with Jesus for three years, and they still didn't quite get it. And it's like the story told about Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson, they decide they're going to go camping together, and so they head out camping. And in the middle of the night, Holmes wakes up and gives Dr. Watson a nudge. Watson, he says, look up in the sky and tell, 
tell me what, what you see. Well, I see millions of stars, Holmes, Watson, says Watson. And what do you conclude from that, Watson? Well, Watson thinks about it for a moment. Well, he says, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day today. Theologically, I see that God is all-powerful, and we are so small in comparison. Well, uh, what does it tell you, Holmes? Watson, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent! <laughs> see, sometimes we, knew, we know all of this information, don't we? You know, he knew all this information, and then he missed the obvious. And that's what had happened with Peter and John, and that's what happened with Cleopas and Mary and, and church. That's what oftentimes happens with us, isn't it? We have all this information, and yet we miss the obvious. And in verse 28, it says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Can you imagine that? Being there. And then all of a sudden, their eyes being opened. And then it goes on to say, verses, uh, verse 31, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Verse 32, They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Meaning, didn't we really know that this was Jesus? And I wonder for all of us today, do, do, does your heart burn? Do you know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God? Are, are you accepting him for who he says he is? Because if you are, that, that means that you don't live for yourself anymore. You don't make choices on your own, but you allow God to make choices through you, that you live for him. And so there's this burning. Didn't we know? Verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. My guess is they got back to Jerusalem quicker than they got to Emmaus. And they, then there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen, has appeared to Simon. Then the, the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And I think about this idea of Jesus appearing, the, the, the peace 
that should come in that moment, the Prince of Peace saying, peace be with you, and instead they all scream like little girls, right? You know, that's where I would probably be because, man, what, what a situation to ha- be in. And I think sometimes we, we, we're too hard on like, why, why don't they understand? Why don't they believe? And again, I go back to myself. And I wonder about all of us because I, I think we shouldn't be too hard on them because we're in just as much of a need for the presence of God in our lives as they were. And we are in just as much of a need for a Messiah to rescue us as they were. And thirdly, I would, I would encourage you to write down that I need my spiritual eyes opened. We need our spiritual eyes open to know Jesus, to see him, to recognize him. In this past year, we, we learned a new phrase. Maybe some of you knew it ahead of time. I didn't. It's this, this phrase of social distancing. It was brand new for me a year ago. But if we're honest with ourselves, many of us have been practicing spiritual distancing for many years. Relational distancing from God. We've held him at arm's length saying, God, that's, that's just close enough. You're, you're within reach when I need you. When, I, when, I, when something terrible happens in my life, I'll reach out to you. I'll pray to you. But don't get too close. In fact, I don't want you inside of me. I, I, that's, that's way too close. And we've kept God at arm's length. And what Cleopas and Mary needed more than anything, was to have their eyes opened and to see Jesus and to know him and to recognize him. And the same is true for each and every one of us today. Over all the years that we've been spiritually distant, relationally guarded, we've lived behind a mask, haven't we? Hiding, not wanting the church to know what we're really like, not really wanting God to see us for who we are, And this morning, we need to be real with God. We need to take off the spiritual mask, stop keeping God at arm's length, and allow your spiritual eyes to be open to the truth that you need a rescuer, a savior, and that rescuer is only found in Jesus. Amen? And so as the praise team comes this morning, do you need to be rescued by the risen savior? See, Jesus paid your debt on the cross, and he's offering you the free gift of grace. But you have to receive it. Just as someone gives you a birthday present, you have to put your arms out and receive it. God's not going to force it on you this morning, but he does offer it freely. And so if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then I encourage you to come as we sing our song of invitation, as we stand together, will you please come?
you pray with me? Father, this morning, we come before you. We acknowledge that you are the creator of the universe, that you are the God above every other man-made God. Father, we are so joyful this morning as we celebrate what you were willing to do by sending your one and only son. And I can't imagine what that was like. There's days when my kids are not the greatest, but there never has been a day where I felt I should give them up for someone else. And yet, God, you were willing to do that for us by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. But God, we praise you this morning that Satan is not in control, that you are the one in control, and that your plan is perfect, and the plan for Jesus to be raised from the dead three days later is perfect. It was prophesied. And so, Father, may we not hold this message in. We have a story to tell, and it's the story of you working in our lives, changing us. And again, Father, if there is one here that needs to be changed by the power of you in their lives, Father, I pray that they would open themselves up to that. That they would read your word, that they would ask someone some questions. So, Father, we pray for those in 2021 that would still make a decision to surrender their lives over to you. And I praise you for each one here and how important each one of us together make a, make a difference for your kingdom. We thank you, Father, this morning for all that you do in our lives. It's the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. I'm not going to touch on all the different announcements. We've been talking about several of them for quite a while now, so please read through that on the backside of your bulletin. I do want to give God praise for this past week. We had a, a great lock-in with those who were able to come, uh, junior high and high school, and appreciate the adults that were here uh, making that night a successful night, a joyful night, uh, spending time in God's Word as well as giving praise uh, to Him through just spending time having fun and helping our youth know that it's fun to be a part of the body of Christ. And so a great locking took place on Wednesday, uh, Saturday, yesterday morning. We had a men's prayer breakfast. It was just a, a great time of spending uh, in prayer. And then the Easter extravaganza for our children that took place yesterday afternoon. And I appreciate all those who came out for that and just the joyful time it was together as the body. And again today, being together as the body of Christ and so I'm grateful and thankful for this body of believers and the encouragement that I receive from each and every one of you. Uh, I do want to mention uh, when it comes to our Wednesday nights, we only have four of those left our, of our family nights here for the school year, and that'll take place the four weeks in April. And then after that, we have camps coming up as well as the ladies' tea. Uh, I do want to give praise this morning 
Uh, we got a message from Caleb and Nikki Holscher that they are expecting their first child. So let's give God a round of applause for that. And uh, we're excited for them, and we just want to continue to lift up Nikki and the new baby that's coming uh, in prayer in order that they would be healthy during this pregnancy. And uh, just thinking about new babies, yesterday at the, the Easter extravaganza, we were even thinking about new babies that would be at the extravaganza next year because they're going to be born here in this, in this following year. And so uh, God is a, a God of new life, and, and he wants to give you, each and every one of us new life. And I also have a praise this morning that uh, uh, seven years ago on this day, April 4th, uh, Richard Cothran was able to adopt Adriana, and so we're excited for them that seven years. Um, and I just think about adoption and uh, how important that is, not only here in, in this life, but the fact that every single one of us as, as children of God have been adopted into his family. And so praising, praising God for all the good things going on uh, in this body of believers. I do want to mention a couple prayer requests. If you are not getting the notified prayer requests, we'd encourage you to sign up at pvcc.info under the notify tab. Uh, you can give your cell phone or home line, uh, and then just a, a call will come to you, your phone or a text message, and that will be either um, prayer requests or announcements. You can choose both or or one or the other, that sort of thing. And so uh, we I do want to continue to lift up Rhonda Stewart. She did go into the doctors this past week. Her heart is doing well, um, which is good, but that means that her lungs are still not doing well. And so she's having a real hard time breathing. They're hoping that there might be something with the heart that might be causing that, but the heart is good, so that's a praise, but the lungs are still not good. And so be a prayer for Rhonda Stewart as they try to still figure some of that stuff out. Continue to pray for our Christian school. Uh, our event yesterday was over at the school. If you don't know that we have a Christian school, it's just over on Paradise Drive. You could drive by there sometime. Uh, a lot of good things going on over there as we come to the end of the year, but just continue to lift, lift up teachers and administration uh, and all those things that go on with the school over there up in prayer. Be in prayer for the Coventry family as LaVon Coventry did pass away this past Friday on the 2nd of April. And also this past Friday on the 2nd of April, Justin Lewis's dad, Greg Lewis, passed away. And so please be in prayer for the Lewis family as well as the Coventry family as well as many other families that have lost loved ones uh, recently. And so we're, we're lifting each other up in prayer, desiring for God to use us in each other's lives to have an impact for this kingdom, whether it be in the lives of non-believers or in the lives of the body of Christ. And so take the time to get to know one another. Uh, don't just rush out. I know today's a little bit different kind of a day, but uh, on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, try to get to know one another. Ask each other questions. That's the best way to get to know one another. Uh, if you, hey, where are you from? What, what, how many kids do you have? Are you, you know, all those kind of things. Get to know each other as the body of Christ so that we're, we're not just meeting together as quote-unquote family that don't really know each other. And so I would encourage as we make disciples that we can build each other up so that we can continue to go out and make more disciples. Will you stand with me as we close in prayer and in song this morning? So Father, we are grateful, thankful. We can't express in human terminology, at least I can't because I'm terrible at English. Uh, but I, I just am so, so in awe of you, God, this morning. For who you are in my life, the way that you've brought me out, 
of the sin that so easily can entangle us and has given me hope for eternity. And so I pray that each one here this morning online, that each one has experienced that in their own lives as well. And if not, I pray that they seek that out desperately. And I pray all this in the name of the power of your son, Jesus. Amen. Because